Amen. So if today we desire more of him, we can have it. Amen. Because one of the things we look at, even as we look at the scriptures, in 2 Peter 1 and 4, it says, Whereby we're given, is given unto us exceeding great precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature. God has made a way in Christ Jesus for us to be partakers of his divine nature. Praise God. Because by his grace, we've escaped the corruption and the world through his lust. And God has revealed these things to us. See, we don't know everything because we're not God. We don't know, we don't have all knowledge. God does. We only know some things. And Deuteronomy 29 and 9 tells us that the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. The Bible says that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And God gives us his word, and he gives us the ability to receive his word, and he gives us the ability to obey his word. Amen? Praise God. Which brings us to John. John chapter 20 and 21 we're going to talk, we're in John 13 today, but we want to, the Bible says, now you're getting, get understanding. You want to understand when you work, when you work somewhere, you want to understand the requirements of the job. You want to understand the duties of a job. When you go somewhere, so often, if you go somewhere you've never been before, you don't want to get lost. You want to know where you're going, so you uh, look for directions on your GPS. In John, there's a purpose for John writing what he wrote. And in John chapter 20, verse 31, he wrote, But these things are written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. That's the whole purpose of John. That was his mentality. That was his thought process. That was, that, that was his goal, that we would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that knowing that, we might believe in him and have life through him. Amen. So we're in John chapter 13. We're going to, today, we're going to go through verses 36 to 38. Let's look at the beginning of it, though. Let's look at what's been going on, because a lot's been going on. It's been all kind of, what I would say, emotional roller coaster. There's been ups, there's been downs. There's been highs, there's been lows. There's been peaks, there's been valleys. Kind of like our life is. But starting out in the beginning of the chapter, they have a, a supper. You know, many of us refer to it as Last Supper. It was the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And uh, they're enjoying each other and the fellowship and they're loving on one another and enjoying one another. Just enjoying the Lord. Just enjoying one another. Praise God for that. And toward the end of the supper, Jesus gets up and he uh, gets a towel and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. And uh, as he's washing the disciples' feet, you know, they're kind of puzzled and even Peter was like, hey, well, now you're not going to wash my feet. He didn't feel worthy. But Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, then you're not, if, if I don't wash you, you won't be clean. So Peter was like, hey, hey, wash everything. And Jesus was like, I don't need to just, he was doing, an, he was showing an example to him. He was letting them know that he washes them. He makes them clean. And so Peter humbled himself and received, you know, really he, he felt unworthy. But when Christ talked about being clean and being accepted, he was like he was all for it. So praise God for that. So then uh, you got Jesus began to be grieved, and he said, "Somebody's going to betray me." So they went from 
fellowshipping and loving one another and enjoying one another to kind of the weird visual of Jesus washing the disciples' feet because that was something that the servants do. That was something that they really wouldn't even do for each other. That was a very humbling act that he did. And that was kind of, you know, taken back by, but they, hey, Jesus want to wash our feet, okay. And then it goes from that moment to Jesus feeling kind of, he was distressed. He was, he was uh, not distressed, but uh, he was kind of heavy. And he said, somebody is going to betray me. And so now they're looking around and they're wondering, they're suspecting, fearful, just concerned who it will be. But at the same time, in the midst of all this, Peter and John and some of the other disciples, they're finding rest and they're finding peace in Jesus and comfort because Jesus is there in the midst of that with them. And so, you know, Peter, Peter asked, who is it? John asked, who is it? You know, and, and, and Jesus said, the one that I get this piece of bread and supper with, that's who I'm going to, that's who the, who's going to betray me. And he dipped, this, dipped, dipped it and gave it to Judas. And so a couple of the disciples knew that it was Judas. And then the spirit entered into the, uh, the, the devil, entered into Judas, and Jesus told him, that thou do is do it quickly. So now we're on a whole nother level Another aspect of what Christ came to do is set in motion now. It's, it's about to be started. So then dealing with that, going on from that, Jesus tells them, hey, I'm about to go away. And where I go, you can't come. And uh, he was talking about how he had glorified God and been glorified and glorified the Father and been glorified. And then he was going to glorify God again and be glorified again. And he was talking about loving Share with his disciples how they should love one another. Not just like the Bible says. The Bible talks about love, but this kind of love was a servitude, kind of more intimate, more from the heart kind of love. A love that serves. A love that puts the other person first. Not just treating somebody right and good, but going an extra mile. <laughs> Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. And he went on to say, by this shall I may know that you're my disciples. If you have love, one for another. Can we use some love today? More love in this world? You know, and we know that love comes from God because God is love. And so we find ourselves now in uh, verses 36 through 38. I'm going to read those and go over them right quick. John chapter 13, verses 36 to 38. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whether goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Wow. We're going to see, as we go through John's writings, remembering that he wrote these things, that we would know that Jesus is the Christ, and then knowing that we will have life in him, believe that we might have life in his name. Keeping that in mind, 
there are some points that we see in this. One point is, we can see in this text, we can see the sovereignty of God shown in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. We can see that God is, that Jesus Christ is omnipotent. We can see his omniscience. We can see that he's immutable. We see the truthfulness of Jesus, an attribute of God. We can see the wisdom of God through Christ Jesus, the goodness of God, the love and the forbearance of God through Christ Jesus. Praise God. Let's look at the text. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord. Man, look at that term, Lord. Lord. Praise God. You know, he wasn't just saying something. He called him Lord because in John chapter 9, verse 69, Peter said, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was during the time when Jesus was saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And many of the disciples, they stopped following Jesus then. Many of the multitude, they stopped following Jesus. When he started talking about eat my flesh and drink my blood, they stopped following Jesus. But Peter, in the midst of all this, he said, we're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. You alone have the words of eternal life. And again, in John 6, 69, he said, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's why he called him Lord. Because he knew that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He knows that he's the Son of God. He knows he's the promised one that God would send. So he called him Lord. But he's not just saying Lord like he's speaking normally. This is more of a heartfelt cry. This is more of a he's making a supplication. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where the goest thou? Where are you going, Lord? Jesus answered him, Whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Wow. Peter asked Jesus where he was going. Why would he ask him that? Because remember, go back to verse 33. It says, Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you. So Jesus saying, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I loved you. Peter really was hearing it, but he wasn't hearing Because he's so distracted that Jesus said he's going to go. This is what Peter is thinking about. I can imagine that this is what Peter is thinking about while Jesus is talking about the commandments of love. You're saying love, but you're leaving. Wait, hold on. Go back to that part. Go, go back to the part where you say you're leaving. And sometimes we get stuck there. We get stuck with the difficulties of life and we forget about his promises. Sometimes we get distracted with the things, the daily schedule, the daily grind, problems at home, issues on the job. We forget about love because we get stuck on other things. But praise God, that's okay. But even though Jesus is saying here in 30, uh, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he's saying, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, Peter is, Christ is preparing him because he's going to leave. 
But Peter's not really, I can imagine, focused on that because Jesus said, I'm leaving. So he's like, Lord, where are you going? Why can't we go with you? Although Jesus clearly states in verse 33 that his disciples cannot follow him to where he's going, Peter asked where Jesus was going. And I believe here that Peter is simply, sincerely seeking to know the location of where Jesus was going. And it kind of reminds me of David in Psalms 42. When David said, as the deer panted after the water brook, so panted my soul after thee. Oh God, my soul thirst after God. Jesus had been, been with Jesus had been with Peter. Peter had been with Jesus for three years. Through highs and lows, ups and downs, good times and bad times, being loved by Jesus, taught by Jesus. Intimate, walking with Jesus. Peter, James, and John went to places that the other disciples didn't go. On the Mount of uh, Transfiguration. There was a special connection that Peter had with Jesus. And it's like, where are you going? So again, like Psalm 42 and verse 2, my soul thirsted for God, for the living God. He thirsted for Jesus. He loved Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to go. Then shall I come and appear before God? Where can I, where can I come and appear before God? David is making this plea here in Psalm 42 about his love for God, about his longing to be with God, his longing to see God, his longing to experience in God. Because God is our hope, amen? And so all the things that we find in the Father, we see in the Son, amen? Because the God and the, Jesus, the Son, and God are one, along with the Holy Spirit. God's a triune being. So the very hope and the very peace and the very comfort and the very joy that we find in God, we find in Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, whether I go, you can't follow me now. That's what Jesus told them. Peter is asking, where are you going? But Jesus said, where I go, you can't follow me now. I can imagine Peter saying, okay, you already said that. I got that. But where are you going? It's like a kid excited about their mom or their dad or visiting the grandparents. We're excited and anticipating, wanting to know, what Jesus, where are you going? I understand I can't go, but Jesus' response to Peter is, whether I go, thou canst not follow now. So we see some things in this. We see the sovereignty of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no, you can't go. We see the omnipotence because Jesus has to, Jesus has the power to lay down his life and to pick it back up. So we see the, the all-powerful God. Who has the power to lay their life down and pick it up? Who can die and come back? There are people who have died and come back, but God brought them back. Nobody on their own power has ever died and come back. Only God can do that. Mm. Is she okay? Oh, yes. oh just, just. I'm trying to get the chair unlocked. Oh, yes, ma'am. Stay right here. So we see the sovereignty of God because Jesus said, "I go." I go. We see the omnipotence of God because He has the power to lay His life down and pick it up. We see the omniscience of God because He knew what was best for the disciples and how things would play out. 
How are you going to trust in the Savior? And he's right there. You see him. That's not faith. Jesus had to go. One of the reasons he had to go is he had to, he, God wants our faith to be built up. And he wants to develop our character in him. You can't trust in Jesus by faith when Jesus is right there with you. He, you're touching him. You, you're talking to him. You're walking with him. That's not faith. The Bible says the just live by what? Faith. So that's one of the reasons Jesus had to go. We see that God, we see the, immutability, the immutability of God. Jesus Christ did not change his mind just or change what he said just because Peter sincerely, earnestly, man, you can pray sincerely. You can pray earnestly all you want, but if it's not in God's will, it's not going to happen. You can pray sincerely, as earnest as you want to pray, but if it's something against what God said, it's not going to happen. That's why it's important for us to be familiar with God and us to know God so that we don't pray amiss. Waste our time with that. We see the truthfulness of God. Sometimes people just tell you, just keep you, pacify you. He didn't do that to Peter. He said, look, where I'm going, you can't come. We see the truthfulness of God. We see the wisdom of God. Jesus knew that his presence would hinder their faith in the Father. We see the goodness of God in that Jesus is preparing them for what's going to happen. It's not just going to be an all of a sudden knee jerk. It's not going to be an all of a sudden he gone. He's been preparing them the whole time. They've had a hard time receiving. And they're really going to be unprepared in a sense because they're not listening. They're having a hard time listening to the hard parts, just like we have a hard time listening to the hard parts. We don't want to listen to the difficult parts. We don't want to see that. We want all the blessings, but we don't want the, the, the self-denial. We want the blessings of God, but we don't want to carry our cross. We want the goodness and the mercy and the love of God, but we don't want to follow and do it Jesus' way. Mm. But we see the goodness of God in that Jesus is preparing them. And we see the love that Jesus is being patient. Jesus didn't snap at them. Jesus didn't fuss at them. The Bible didn't even say that he was grieved at the question. He's being patient, just like you would with your child. When your child means well, they're being sincere, you wouldn't just slam upside the head. It's like going about your business, not a loving parent. And finally, we see the foreknowledge of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he was preparing them. So we see all these attributes. John is allowing us to see all these attributes so that we can say, hey, this is him. This is the Christ. Look at all these attributes that I'm testifying about. Look at all these things we see. We see the sovereignty of God in Christ Jesus. We see the um, um, uh, omnipotence in Christ Jesus. Omniscience, immutability, that he doesn't change. Truthfulness, wisdom, goodness, love, foreknowledge. So what is Peter doing here? In verse 37. Let's look at verse 37. Peter is continuing. He keep pushing at Jesus because he's, he's concerned. Jesus said, you can't go. Now look at verse 37. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. What is Peter doing here? Is Peter being argumentative? Is Peter being difficult? Is he trying to be defiant? I don't think so. I think that he's pleading with Jesus. He's letting his request, request be made known. 
But even though we make our requests made known to God, and even though we plead with God, even with tears, God's will, God is sovereign, and he's going to do his will, amen? But look, this is what I think Peter is going through, according to Scripture. Look, in Psalms 13, verses 1 through 5, this is David, I believe, making this plea. He says, how long would thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long would thou hide thy face from me? I think this is the time when David had sinned with Bathsheba. And he was going through all these consequences. How long will I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? No, this is when he, yeah, his enemies in. But look at look at what Jesus, look at what Peter, Jesus, as, as, he's, as Jesus has been going in his ministry, Jesus has opposition. And so if Jesus go away, what a the people who don't like Jesus, who's going to be the target? <laughs> That's one aspect of it. These people hate Jesus. They're, you got these Pharisees and you got these Sadducees that hate Jesus. And now Jesus is going to go. So they're going to target the disciples. It's so much going on here. It's so much going through Peter's mind. But as David was crying out in Psalms 13, consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Line mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against them. If Jesus had gone away, I could imagine Peter thinking, with Jesus leaving, who going to protect us? Who going to care for us? You're God. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. And that's what Peter was. Peter had been trusting in the mercy of Christ, resting in the salvation of Christ. He was right there with him. Praise God. So I don't think Peter, according to Scripture, we see that Peter isn't being defied. He's just really crying out. He's fleeing to, the, to Jesus. Go to verse 38. Jesus answered him, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow to thou denied me thrice. Oh my goodness. Some more attributes of the Father. As Jesus answered him, we can see the attributes of omniscience again. Because Jesus knew it. He knew it. He knew what was going to happen with Peter. He knew about the denial. He knew about the cock crowing. Truthfulness. He's not trying to appease Peter. He's not trying to flatter Peter just to get him quiet. You know how sometimes we do our kids like that if we're not careful? Sometimes just for now, just to get him quiet, we might just kind of, okay, okay. He's not doing any truthfulness. And then the foreknowledge of God is seen here in Jesus Christ. The immutability because he still hadn't changed it. Although Jesus could empathize with Peter's pain, he was not moved by Peter's emotional pleas and concern. God is with us in our pain. He's with us while we hurt him. He empathizes with us. He sympathizes with us. But his will will be done. Amen? Amen. Looking back, maybe you can look back in your life and still don't understand why this happened. Maybe you can look back at life and still not understand why that happened. 
Maybe there are things you can look back at life and wonder. You still don't know years later, why did this happen? But we can trust God that he's going to make the best choice. Amen? When things go in a direction that we don't expect, we can trust God. We can see here, we can trust in our Savior. Because we know that he has our best interests at heart. And he's going to do everything for his glory. He's not going to do anything. He's going to get the glory. We're made for his glory. Everything that's made is made for his glory. He's going to get the glory. You may not understand it. While you're going through what you're going through. The pain, the suffering, aches and pains and different things, loneliness. You might not understand why. You've been there for them, but they're not there for you. You encourage them, but they're not encouraging you. You went to see them, but they're not coming to see you. All these different things, all these uh, things that we go through, we don't understand at the time, but we can trust in the Lord. Amen? So although Jesus could empathize and sympathize with Peter's pain, he wasn't going to be moved by his emotional pleas or concern. Our Father is moved by faith that's based on his word. That what moves God. Faith. Trust in and believe what he said and move on according to that. The Bible says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, not to him and he'll direct your path. Amen? He's not going to change the path. He'll direct you into his alignment. Amen? Because it's not about us and what we want. It's not about what we feel or what we think. It's about him, amen? And that's the thing to keep in mind. Even though John wrote these things showing that Jesus is the Christ, that we might believe in his name, God's will is set, amen? And we find so much comfort in that. And we find so much peace in that. Because we can know the ways of God. God doesn't change and he's not wishy-washy, and he's not inconsistent. God is consistent, amen? But at the same time, it's hard to handle this sometimes because we know his no means no. And we know according to his word, there's some things that are no. It's just no. It's written in the word, no. And sometimes that's uncomfortable because our flesh wants us to say yes. Our desire sometimes wants us to say yes. And Peter wanted him to say yes. He wanted him to stay. He wanted him to tell him where he was going. He wanted to know why he was going. All these different things. And Peter wasn't the only one. Peter was just most vocal. The other disciples, you could imagine, had the same sentiment. But Peter was the one that was vocal. Believing is not enough. John wrote these accounts that we might believe that Jesus the Christ the Son of God, and that through believing, we might have eternal life. Question is, do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do we believe that we are in need of a Savior? Do we believe that we've sinned? Do we believe that we're not good enough to get to the Father on our own accord? There's nothing good enough we can say. There's nothing good enough we, do, we can do. Do we believe that? That God is holy and God is righteous. Do we believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you have sinned and you need a Savior? Have we repented? Are we believing that? Because believing that is not enough. 
John 2 and 19, James 2 and 19 says, even the demons believe and tremble. So believing is not enough. The head knowledge is not enough. But true belief is repentance and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. By God's grace, crying out like Peter did, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm in need of saving. Lord, I made a commitment years ago. I made a commitment months ago. I made a commitment days ago. But Lord, I don't seem to be following through with it. Lord, I've left your ways and I need you to bring me back to your heart. That heart that you gave me for you to seek you and to love you. That heart to follow your ways. Lord, bring me back home, God. In the same way that Peter was crying out. We can cry out that God would save us from our sin. That God would give us a hunger and a thirst for him. Give us the desire to repent and believe. I'm reminded of the God that said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That might be you this morning. Maybe you believe and you only, you've only gone so far and you're just afraid or you, you, you hadn't gone all the way with Jesus. You're not totally committed. If that's where you are, God knows. And God understands. But it's time to repent. It's time to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can have eternal life through his name. In the same way that Peter pleaded, <coughs> look at what Peter said. Where's the course now? Jesus answered him, whether I go, you cannot follow. And then Peter continued on in verse 37. Why cannot I follow thee now? Praise God. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. I need you to change my heart. Give me a repentant heart, Lord God. Save me. Grace me to believe. Today can be the day, amen? Praise God for his encouraging word. Man, praise God for John who wrote these things. Praise God for the Holy Spirit who right now is quickening our hearts and compelling us to repent. Praise God. Today can be the day. Hallelujah. Man, today can be the day. Hallelujah.